Oh! 
so glad he still saves sinners. Amen. I'm glad he still saves sinners. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and sing about it this morning. Come on, Brother Ken, come lead Amen. us now. What can save us from our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's all turn to him number 30 this morning. Page number 30 today. We ought to be so thankful for the blood that we can't even help ourselves. Amen. Him number 30 this morning. Nothing but the blood. We'll do it in the Baptist style. First, second, and last verse. Him number 30 this morning. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as yesterday uh, in the ER for a while with uh, strep, I think is that right. So pray for that whole family if you would. Uh, I know they'd appreciate it. Sister Biggs continuing with her cancer battles. We've got many others in our church who are dealing with cancer and sicknesses and illnesses. So let's pray for those this morning. But I, I kind of need to hear from heaven today. Amen. We came here to just hear a little bit of heaven. And let's pray that God will meet that need this morning. Brother Cassidy, you come open us up in prayer if you would, please. Let's go to the throne room together this morning. Brother Cassidy, pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, just thanking you. Thanking you for everything that you've done, but most of all for our salvation, Lord. We just praise you for, for the health and strength that we have. Lord, we just pray for the ones that are sick. Lord, you know the need. You know the answer. You also know the healing, so just we just put it all in your hands. Yes. There's nothing that we can do on our own except for what you give us and what you do for us. Yes. Lord, we pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior that you will touch their heart, help for something to be said, Lord, that would encourage them to 
come to new, know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, for our missionaries, for each one, give them souls for their labor. But most of all, Lord, just give us a good day oh, around your word. Just God, touch us, put the, put the cares and the, and the problems of the world, and, and we've all got them, Lord. Just help us to put them aside yes. for a little while and just focus on you. That's right. Pray for Brother Greg as he brings the message. Oh, Hide him behind, behind you, Lord. Give him the words that we stand most in need of. We thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I am so thankful this morning that in life's difficulties and challenging times, God has it all under control. You listen to Brother Tim as he sings. Beautiful song, Under Control. Hit it, buddy. and trials in the last day how they'll sweep through our land but we have his assurance that through all these trials we'll be led by his mighty hand manna from God will come down God has it under control. 
couple of years ago, Renee and I were in an airplane. I don't remember where we were flying, but I had gotten a bit sleepy, and I said, honey, I'm going to plug in my iPhone and listen to some my Christian music. And uh, I woke up when we landed. And if you've ever been in an airplane, you know what I'm talking about. When you land, it kind of scares, at least it does me, scares the bejeebies out of me, especially when I've been sleeping soundly. I have on my iPhone uh, a, a file of Kyla Rowland songs. I got about 165 of them now. And when we landed, it was this song that was in my ears. And it's an old song. It's one of the ones she wrote years and years and years ago, but it continues to be awfully important to me. Because it just reminds me that whatever we're going through, there's somebody praying. And it is that wall of prayer that oftentimes makes all the difference in the world. I want you to listen now to this simple song, Wall of Prayer. If God speaks to you, you obey Him this morning. Uh, the 
God for that wall of prayer. Let me give you several announcements this morning. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, uh, remind the choir that we'll be practicing tonight at 445. If you are a faithful member of our church and would like to join us in the choir, we'd sure love to have you. Uh, you come be with us tonight at 445. Uh, we'll find you a place. We'll find you a book and let you join us in making a joyful noise. I, got, I get asked all the time, uh, what does it take to be in the choir? you got to be a faithful member, member and you got to open your mouth. Amen. Um, a good friend of mine used to say all the time, she was a choir director, in fact, it's Kyla Rowland's sister-in-law, uh, her grandmother, and she used to say all the time, when, when you open your mouth, I want to see your tonsils. And if you don't have tonsils, I want to see the holes where they used to be. Amen. Uh, don't forget that tonight. Also, uh, for those of you that are attending teen conference, you need to sign up today. Today's the last day. We send everything in in the morning, so you got to sign up today. Keep that in mind if you would. Then I want to say a big thank you to those who came out and helped in yesterday's golf tournament uh, that raised money for the teen conference. I appreciate those that uh, played. I appreciate those that sponsored a whole, those that came out and helped, and those teenagers who came out and helped, even those of you who put on Snapchat that you were bored to death. Amen. There'll come a day, teenagers, when you'll be glad to be bored to death if somebody's paying you. Amen. Let's just stop there and preach a little while. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Don't forget our new website information is on there. Keep that in mind if you would. And if you haven't signed up for the Women's Mountain Retreat, uh, ladies, please sign up for that as soon as possible if you would. Also, our continued information is in there for our online giving. What I'll do is the first Sunday of every month, we'll put the instructions in. Uh, and, if you, and if you need it before then, uh, we'll give that to you as well. But we'll continue to put the instructions in the first Sunday of every month. Keep that in mind. Then also, I'm going to ask everybody uh, to help me out with this. Pray about this. Uh, we, 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 we need some more assistance with our nursery. Uh, this is an incredible ministry. Uh, usually folks only have to work it once every other month. That's always the goal if we have enough folks. Uh, so if you're willing to help out with that once every other month, if you would please see Miss Leanne uh, as soon as possible, I would sure appreciate that. Every church I've ever been a part of, uh, and in fact, uh, Brother Kenny Baldwin told me this. He told me he's preached in churches of 30, and he's preached in churches of 3,000. And he said uh, the one ministry that pastors always seem to be begging for is the nursery. So if you can help us out with that, I would sure appreciate it so much. Then if you're not receiving our phone tree announcements, uh, uh, put your name and information on the line below there, and uh, we'll take care of that and get that to you. After services today, we put this out yesterday, but in case you missed it, uh, we've got lots of delicious barbecue pork, barbecue chicken uh, available for anybody who would like to have a take-home lunch. We'll drive right down there. My wife called it SAGBC drive-through. During Sundays, I have to tell you, during Sunday school this morning, I was teaching a lesson to the men on godly leadership and godly manhood, and I was talking about how different men and women are. And right in the middle of this, as I was getting ready to unload, it dawned on me that my wife was right next door taking care of all those lunches for today, and it changed my tone completely. Amen. But keep that in mind if you would. It's only $5 a plate, uh, and plus you get dessert, strawberry shortcake or peach shortcake with whipped cream. You get all of that for $5. You can't go home and cook it. And this is what Brother Charlie and Brother Cassidy cooked. We had some left over, and uh, it'll be delicious. So $5 a plate, and all of that goes to help support our upcoming ladies, excuse me, our upcoming teen conference. Speaking of, for the months of June, July, and August, as we do our Penny March, uh, our Penny March money will also go to the, uh, a teen conference for June, 
July and August, and then in September, we will once again dedicate that money to our Ladies' Jubilee, so you get your money ready if you can, and we'll get that in just a moment. A few weeks ago, I think I shared this with you, but I'm getting to the point now where I share my stories two and three times, and you just laugh like you've never heard it before, and it'll be God's plan. Amen. But a few weeks ago, we, the, Dr. Godwin the, and the president and the vice presidents, we were having uh, a meeting. It went through lunch. And uh, uh, our, one of the administrative assistants had ran out and got us some lunch, and she didn't get drinks. And so uh, I, I said, I'll, get, I'll go get the drinks. And Dr. Godwin said, no, 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 I'll get it, I'll get it. I've got a bunch of change. And she stood up and went and got her pocketbook, and she came back over to me, and she said, whoop, wait a minute. Um, I go to a church where the children take all the change. Never mind, I don't have anything. So we're going to let you take all the change this morning, if you would. So all those heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, you come on, make your way this morning. Everybody heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, you come make your way this morning, and they're going to come collect any loose change you got. This is our Penny March heading to help our teen conference.
wife wanted me to let everybody know that for your $5, you get barbecue chicken, barbecue, uh, pork barbecue, baked beans, potato salad, a roll, and cake for $5. You can't go to McDonald's and get a meal for $5 and get all of that. And you don't even have to get out of your car. We'll have teenagers who will bring it to you, uh, and it'll be faster than Wendy's drive-in. Amen. So you help us out right after services today. We want to welcome Ethan Foley into our midst. Stand up, Victor. Stand up, buddy. Amen. Look at that little guy there. Amen. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. I always love welcoming somebody else's baby. Amen. Somebody asked me last week why I keep saying that, because my wife wanted five. And then I had a daughter. That's all I'm saying. Amen. You fill in the blanks after that. Amen. Uh, but we're glad to have them this morning. Glad everything worked out and God was so merciful to them in that uh, delivery. We are honored to uh, uh, do a little something special for a newlywed couple here in our church. We've grown to love these two folks, Shane and Melanie. You all come on down if you would. Come, come, come. Come on, guys. Come on down this morning. We had a little something from the church to let you all know we love you all and appreciate you. Come on, make your way this morning. You carry that. That's big. And you get to carry it. It's big. All right. Hurry up. It's heavy, he said. Smile big for the cameras. Look at Brother Danny's gleaming head. All right, folks, we love you guys. Thank you all so much. Praying for you all, brother. You pray for these newlyweds. The Lord will bless them as they've begun their journey together. Marriage is never easy. Amen. Amen. I said this downstairs today, and I will say it again in front of my wife. Anybody who thinks men and women are the same has never talked to a woman. That's all I'm saying. Amen. Uh, the reality is, folks, marriage is a partnership, and you need to pray for these. And I believe that Satan is on the attack for marriages today because he knows if he can get the home, he can take the church. So you pray for this newlywed couple. All right, fellas, come make your way down if you would. You mind the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. Ladies, you all come get ready to sing for us as uh, you be obedient unto him. God will bless you for your faithfulness. We're going to pray now. And Brother Johnny, good to see you, man. Brother Johnny worked this morning, changed his shirt and tie, came right on down. Now he's an usher. I love it. Let's pray. Father, bless the offering today. May it be what you'd have it to be. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you in this capacity. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for loving us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm so glad today <clears throat> the same spirit that raised Jesus up lives within us. And that's what this song's about. And one day we're going up, either by the grave or by the rapture, one way or the other, we're going up. Y'all pray for us as we sing. Feel his 
mighty rushing wind, that same spirit that raised Jesus up from death and the grave, it shall raise Hymn number 203, in your songbook there, page number 203, The Windows of Heaven. Sing it one time through, then we'll have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 203. The windows of heaven are open, the blessings are falling
thank you so much, uh, as always, for your kindness. I say all the time, if you come to this church and somebody don't shake your hand or hug your neck, it's because you ran away from them. So uh, I appreciate your kindness, as always. Two places that I'd like you to turn this morning in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And then also 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning. While you're turning there, I'll try to put a little smile on your face. A woman walked into her bedroom Sunday morning and at 8.30, 8.45, 9 o'clock, her husband was still laying there in the bed. She looked over at him and said, what's wrong? Are you sick? It's Sunday morning. It's time to go to church. He said to her, I'm not going to church today. And she looked at him and said, are you sick? He said, no, I'm just not going to church today. She said, give me a break. We've been in church together for 35 years. What is wrong with you? Get your tail up and let's go to church. He looked up at her and said, there are three reasons, ma'am, why I'm not going to church today. She said, all right, let me hear them. He said, number one, that church is full of hypocrites. He said, number two, there's nobody there that likes me. And number three, I don't like anybody there. She looked at him and said, all right, I'll take that. But there are three reasons why you are going to church today. Number one, there's plenty of good people in that church. Number two, and people love you. Number three, you're the pastor. Now get up and let's go to church. Amen. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to begin today a series of messages that will take us through the summer. It will mainly be a Wednesday night event. We're gonna, I'm going to kick it off this morning, a series of messages that I'm entitled, A Summer of Prophecy. A Summer of Prophecy. This is in a seminary word, a study of eschatology, which means end-time events and how things will unfold according to Scripture. What we're going to talk about tonight, or today rather, will give us a little bit of insight into an event that we call the rapture of the church. Please understand that the word rapture will nowhere be found in your Bible. You also won't find the word trinity in your Bible, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a trinity. You also won't find the word gravity in your Bible, but that doesn't mean gravity's not real. You won't find the word rapture in your Bible, but you'll find three key passages that reference what we refer to as the rapture. Now, I will start by telling you that good people, born-again believers, don't all agree on some of the things that I'm going to share with you this morning. For example... There are folks who call themselves pre-tribulationists. As I'm going to share with you, that's what the majority of Baptists believe. They believe that the church will be raptured out of here before the tribulation begins. There are people who call themselves mid-tribulationists or mid-trib. They believe that the church will go through the first three and a half years of the rapture, or excuse me, of the tribulation, and then midway through, uh, we'll be raptured out of here. And then there are those people who are post-tribs, post-tribulationists. 
they believe that the church will go through the seven years of tribulation and will be taken out of here at the millennial reign of Christ or when that ensues when the Lord comes back as described in Revelation chapter number 19 and 20. So during our series on eschatology or end time events, I'm going to preach it from a pre-trib perspective because that's what I believe. That's what I believe the Bible teaches. And I'll share those verses with you throughout uh, the series that we look at this summer. Please understand that the things that we'll be looking at over the next uh, several weeks include things like the rise of Satan's Superman. We call him another name. He's called the Antichrist. We'll be looking at what the Bible refers to as the time of Jacob's trouble, what is referred to as the tribulation by most Bible scholars. We'll be talking about the coronation day in heaven. We'll talk about the wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll talk about the return of Christ in Revelation chapter 19, the, the millennial reign of Christ here on earth. And then we'll talk about the beauty of heaven and, of course, the pain of hell, all of which are directly related to this end-time events. But today, I want to focus our time and our attention by what Titus chapter 2 verse 13 calls the blessed hope of the believer. Let's begin reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse number 51. Paul writes to this Corinthian church, and he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, notice the next clause, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O oh, death where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now flip over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 we actually have a letter to the Thessalonican church that scholars believe was a response that had come to Paul from the Thessalonican church. While Paul was in Thessalonica, he had undoubtedly talked about this thing that we call the return of Christ, that we call the rapture. And as he moved on, the Thessalonicans faced a dilemma. They had a question, if you will. Since Paul's departure from the Thessalonican shore, those in their congregation, those in their church had passed away, had died. And so scholars believe that Paul was likely the recipient of a letter 
in which the question was asked, Paul, what about those that have passed on? Do they get to take part in this? Do they get to experience the return of Christ? Paul's letter, 1 Thessalonians, addresses several of their questions, and that particular one is addressed in chapter 4, verse 13, through the end of the chapter. I will, before I read that, I will tell you that I believe that Paul thought that he himself would be part of the crowd that saw the return of Christ. When you see the plural pronouns that Paul used, I believe uh, that even uh, 2,000 years ago, believers were waiting uh, for the return of Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. The word ignorant there means unlearned or uneducated. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Amen. And with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, and notice he includes himself there, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And in verse 18 he says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. These two passages, one in 1 Corinthians 15, one in 1 Thessalonians 4 are two of the only three passages in Scripture that deal with this thing that we call rapture. The other one is found in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1. I'll read it to you quickly. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. In each of those three passages that I believe deal with the rapture of the church, there is a common theme, and that theme is the mention of a trumpet. You see, when the writers of our New Testament wrote about a trumpet and the imagery of a trumpet, they were writing to people who were well acquainted with what they were talking about. Today, in 21st century America... You find a trumpet in the high school marching band or in a jazz band or something like that. But in Roman society, which ruled most of the known biblical world at the time, trumpets were very, very common. In fact, trumpets would be used for four specific purposes. To proclaim a victory, to call an assembly, to announce a warning, or to call troops to battle. It's clear, I think, in our mind that the idea of a trumpet fits with the rapture. It is the sound that, one of the sounds, I should say, that we believers are listening for. I 
get up every day as God is my witness and drive to work and I think to myself what a great day it would be to hear the sound of the trumpet what a great day it would be to hear the shout of God the voice of the archangel I've been asked on many occasions what's that trumpet gonna sound like and I don't have any idea I think it might play something like here comes the bride that's just Gregology you won't find that in your Bible typically a Roman legion moved there would be three blasts from the trumpet the first blast would say that it's time to strike your tents and prepare to move the second blast of the Roman trumpet would say that it's time to fall in and line up the third trumpet sound which is often referred to as the last trumpet would be a signal that it's time to move out I believe that's why Paul said that at the last trump because it's an indication that at the last trump uh, time is over uh, for the bride of Christ and it is time to move out there are going to be some great things that happen at the sound of the trumpet so with the help of the Lord I want to give you four of them this morning in a message that I've simply entitled at the sound of the trumpet folks I want you to understand and please get this very clearly and very carefully there are no more signs of the times for us to wait for for the coming of the Lord when the nation of Israel God's fig tree bloomed again and some of you senior saints may remember this when when Israel became a nation again in 1948 correct God's fig tree bloomed all over again the Jews were gathered from the four corners of the earth uh, and all of the signs of the times had come to fruition that simply means this the next great event on God's prophetic timetable is the rapture of the church so what's gonna happen when that trumpet sounds four things that I want to give you this morning number one the sound of the trumpet means that our Lord has returned our Lord has returned now the Bible gives us multiple verses that talk about the return of the Lord we'll read some of them again when we get to Revelation chapter 19 and 20 midsummer that talks about what I believe and many Baptist scholars back me up on this uh, that is the return of the Lord after the seven years of tribulation I want you to understand folks uh, that when the Lord comes back at the rapture he's not coming for everybody and everybody's not gonna hear the trumpet and everybody's not gonna hear the voice of the archangel and everybody's not gonna hear the shout of God he is only coming back for the bride of Christ he is only coming back for those uh, whose names are at that moment written in the Lamb's book of life before the Lord left before he went to the cross he promised his disciples that he would return John chapter 14 verse number 1 he says let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you behold I go to prepare a place for you if I go I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may also be 
even as he was ascending back into the heavens. Angelic messengers were dispatched from God to tell the apostles of the Lord's impending return. In Acts chapter number 1, verse number 9, when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood with them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into the heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you've seen him go into heaven. Understand, folks, that even though it's been 2,000 years since the Lord left here, even though it's been nearly 2,000 years since he made these promises, even though it's been 2,000 plus years nearly since the angelic angel said he's coming again, the fact that it's been 2,000 years doesn't mean he ain't coming. It just means he's 2,000 years closer to getting here. Please understand that you and I, we don't calculate time like God does. We don't calculate time in the same framework that God does. In our finite human minds, 2,000 years is a long time. But I submit to you, to a God who says that one day with the Lord is a thousand years and as a thousand years one day, uh, that he's only been gone about two days. Uh, and I believe that on the third day, uh, the shout of heaven will be heard, the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ uh, will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So number one, at the sound of the trumpet, the Lord's going to return. The Lord's going to return. Number two, not only will the Lord return at the sound of the trumpet, the departed saints of God, the dead in Christ, will be resurrected. I'll ask you this morning, and you don't have to raise your hands, how many of you have had to stand at the gravesite of a loved one that you've had to bury? You can raise your hand. It's painful at times. There's a time to mourn, Ecclesiastes tells us. When you have to bury someone that you love dearly, that is a time to mourn. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 tells us, and I love the fact that Paul uses this term. He doesn't call them dead. He doesn't call them deceased. He says, concerning them which are asleep. Now, you will find some Bible scholars refer to this as something that they call soul sleep. But my Bible is very clear that when a saint of God leaves this world, they are immediately ushered into the presence of God. Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It doesn't say to be absent from the soul because the soul is that entity that is within any of us that is either off or on. Turned off, you're lost. Turned on, you're saved. That's a simplistic explanation. But when that 
body dies, when that person's body shuts down, when the heart stops beating and the brain no longer has activity. Philippians first number 1, verse 23 says, For I am straight betwixt two, having desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So I submit to you that the very instant, the very second, the very moment that that precious family member, that loved one, that friend, that parent, that child, that brother, that sister closes their eyes in death, that at that very instant they wake up in the presence of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Their present condition. When Moses and Elijah appeared with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, they possessed bodies that could be seen and recognized. So whatever form our loved ones are in this morning, they're in a place that's free from cares, free from pain, and free from burdens. Moreover, the Bible is very clear when it teaches us that they're in a place where nothing that defileth shall enter. Their present condition. But I want you to note also our loved one's promised completion. You don't have to flip back, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, it said that this incorruptible shall, this corruption shall put on incorruptible. This mortal shall put on immortality. That simply means, uh, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, they shall all be changed. Let me make something very clear, church. And I think most of you probably know this, but it means very, very critical to what we're discussing this morning. Your body, your flesh is not saved. That's the reason you still struggle with it. That's the reason you are still tempted in your flesh. In your flesh dwelleth no good thing. And in your flesh it is as filthy rags according to the principles of, the, of, of, of God's holiness. So there is nothing about your flesh that is saved. That's the reason that your flesh has to enter the ground from which it came. That's the reason that your flesh cannot enter into heaven. But you listen to me carefully. At the sound of the trumpet, with the shout of God, with the voice of the archangel, that body shall be raised incorruptible, and it shall meet that soul that God brings with them, and the two of them shall somehow come together to meet the Lord in the air, and at that moment, something quite spectacular will happen years ago this may not fit some of your theology but I'm going to give it to you anyway years ago my wife asked me where I'd like to be when the Lord comes back she said would you like to be in the pulpit preaching somewhere I said that'd be alright but that's not my first choice she said would you like to be at the house with me and the kids I thought be careful how you say this preacher <laughs> I said, that'd be all right, but that's not my first choice. She said, where do you want to be? I said, I'd like to be smack dab in the middle of a graveyard when the Lord comes back. This might not fit your theology, 
But I think at that moment there's going to be some graves busting open and there's going to be some saints of God who are resurrected out of the grave to meet their soul in the air and they become a glorified body at that moment. You say, Preacher Greg, I don't understand all of that. I don't either, but I think it has something to do with a shout of God. What do you mean? The Bible tells us only a few times that the Lord ever shouted. He shouted at the grave of Lazarus, and guess what? A dead man came out of the ground. He shouted on the cross of Calvary, and the Bible says, you can go look it up, Matthew 27, that the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And honey, he's going to shout at the end of this age, and the clouds are going to usher him back, and at that moment, graves will be resurrected. Folks will bust out of the graves to meet a soul in the air, and they shall be raised incorruptible at that moment. There's power. And the shout of God. Number one, the Lord will return. Number two, departed saints will be resurrected. Number three, this morning, living saints will be raptured. Living saints will be raptured. And interestingly, Paul gives us words that clearly specify swiftness. This is not going to be a long, drawn-out event. 1 Corinthians 15.52 says it will happen in a moment. This word moment speaks of an indivisible point in time, a span of time that is so short that it cannot be further divided. Paul goes on to say that it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. I've heard many people think that that says the blink of an eye. Well, a blink is fast. In fact, scientists say that the blinking of an eye takes about one-thirtieth of a second. But that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say in the blink of an eye. It says in the twinkling of an eye. And scientists say, and by the word, the word twinkling of an eye, it doesn't mean the moment that you look at your loved uh, precious wife or husband and your heart goes pitter-patter. That's not what a twinkle is. The twinkling of an eye is the moment that your eye lights upon something, uh, sends the chemical signals to your brain, and your brain understands that what I'm looking at is a speaker, a, a tissue box, a globe, uh, decorations, glitter, God help, uh, whatever it might be, that's what a twinkle is. And scientists say that while the blink of an eye is one-thirtieth of a second, the twinkle of an eye is somewhere in the neighborhood of one one-thousandth of a second. And in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Paul uses the term caught up. That phrase literally means to snatch away, to seize with force, to claim. I was searching my mind's eye for a symbol or an image that I could convey to you that I think best captures what this is going to be like. And what I landed upon was something that happened when I was in junior year of high school. Sophomore year of high school, actually. We were in a chemistry class. And on our, on our chemistry table were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thumbtacks. 
the chemistry professor was working on a couple of bulletin boards and he had laid a bunch of thumbtacks on it on the table and unbeknownst to me me and one of my buddies came in sat down throwed our book bags down and when we did the bounce of our book bags on that table caused those thumbtacks to go everywhere this was during the summer many of the girls had on flip-flops and oftentimes when they got to class to be honest with you they would kick off their shoes and walk around the room barefooted the first thing that we thought is good golly miss molly we're in a whole heap of trouble now somebody's probably gonna get tetanus by the time this is done we started panicking my buddy and i and walked around trying to get all of those thumbtacks up Mr. Copeland, our high school chemistry professor, or teacher rather, uh, came up and said, Boys, don't worry this. Uh, I got this taken care of. He went to the chemistry closet, uh, and he pulled out the biggest magnet I've ever seen in my life. This big around. Uh, and he literally walked around uh, and held it out, and instantly, one by one, thumbtacks just started rising off the ground being snatched away being caught out of here in an instant in a moment and he looked at us as he held out that magnet with some 200 thumbtacks on it stuck it back in his closet today fast forward some 30 years and I think to myself that's what the rapture of the church is going to be like when the Lord himself descends from heaven with a shout the voice of the archangel and the trump of God there's not going to be any waiting time there's not going to be any time to say, hold on, I got some stuff to do. There's not going to be any time to say, I got to talk to my family members. In a moment, in a twinkling, we will be snatched away, called out of here. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And all of that's wonderful. But I want you to listen to me very carefully as you answer this question. If that event happens today, are you going to be one of the thumbtacks? Are you going to be one of the ones who are snatched away and called out of here? Or God help, are you going to be a thumbtack that's left behind? Number one, the sound of the trumpet, the Lord will return. Number two, at the sound of the trumpet, parted saints will be resurrected. Number three, living saints will be raptured. And number four, the sound of the trumpet, all saints of God will be enjoying a reunion. Who will we be reunited with? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them the clouds all of you who just a few moments ago raised your hand that said you've buried a loved one I say this all the time when I'm allowed to preach a funeral if you don't know the same Jesus that that loved one knew as you file by that casket you need to bid them a final farewell you won't see them again let me state that plainly Pastor, are you trying to scare us? If that's what it takes. Being scared of hell is a mighty good reason to be, want to go to heaven. If you don't know the same Jesus that that loved one knows, as you walk by that casket and put your hand upon it to say simply, I love you, 
but that will be the end of it. You'll not see them again. But I am so glad to report to you, for those of here, man, those of us that know the same Jesus uh, as that loved one knew, uh, as your mama knew, as your daddy knew, as your spouse knew, as your child knew, as your friend knew, as your brother knew, uh, those of us that know the same Jesus, uh, we are not saying goodbye. We're not saying farewell. Uh, we're saying, save me a seat. I'll be there soon. There'll be a reunion with our loved ones. But even better than that, there'll be a reunion with our Lord called up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and I'm so thankful that Paul ends this little section by saying so shall we ever be with the Lord know about you but heaven sounds sweeter every day the more I have to bury folks I love and I don't just mean my family I mean my family the more I have to bury folks I love and the more I have to sit in my office and listen to some of the pain tragedy heartache that folks face the more I echo the words Dottie Rambo wrote some 50 years ago I've never been this homesick before you see folks for those of us that know the Lord this world is not our home we're just passing through you see our treasures are laid up far beyond the blue so I want to ask you one more time if the trumpet happens today tomorrow will you be snatched away will you be caught up or will you be left behind I've heard some people make some really stupid statements saying things like if the rapture is really real then I'll get saved after let me just stop a moment and say you're not even guaranteed today much less tomorrow and you waiting until something like that and I'll show you in other verses and in other messages, wow, that's a foolish thought. Uh, but you are playing Russian roulette uh, and you've got a gun loaded. Today is the day of salvation. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. It's bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you very simply. Nobody's looking. I want you to be honest with me now. Nobody's looking. If you're here today and you are supremely confident, you know beyond any shadow of a doubt 
trumpet happens to sound today, you know that you'll be